The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we're doing it live this week to cover the latest PlayStation state of play. We have a lot of different games to dig into, including a very long look at Deathloop, which is only just a couple months away. I'm very, very excited to play it, and I, I just I, I just want to get that game soon, but we're only a couple months away from that, as well as Death Stranding Director's Cut and a few other indies that we got a look at. Uh, to discuss everything we saw, I'm joined this week by brian altano what's up beyond hello hey let's brian. do it good good to see you also joined this week by matt kim matt thanks for joining us hello yeah uh nintendo voice chat right no no, no matt <laughs> no. we're live we can't edit that out what are you doing where was the switch pro what a waste <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get to the switch oled model not being there in a second but of course we're also joined this week by max scoville the number one xbox podcast on IGN. oh no oh god i i hello I welcome to game to... <laughs> I don't even have to imagine the comments because we're doing this live, and so I'm sure the comments will just be there as we record. Uh, no, of course, we're going to be digging into the whole State of Play presentation, which we just saw about 30 minutes of some upcoming games uh, coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PSVR, uh, not, of course, PSVR 2, which, just to get it out of the way, of course, if you didn't see the PlayStation blog announcement before the State of Play, we learned that the next God of War, Horizon Forbidden West, and PSVR 2 wouldn't be at the state of play. So just to set expectations, we're not concerned about those not showing up. We'll talk maybe about what wasn't there, what could have been there, and, and all that sort of jazz as we go through. But I uh, I do want to talk about what actually was there, and I want to start with Deathloop, because that was the one that got sort of the marquee presentation that was sort of the big advertised game of what was going to be here. Uh, we got a nine-minute look of Deathloop, uh, a little bit more of the actual loop of what Deathloop is. Uh, this is, of course, for those who don't know, coming from Arcane, which is now an Xbox-owned studio, but they are making a PlayStation 5 launch exclusive for the moment. Uh, These the, the developers, of course, of Dishonored and the most recent Prey. Uh, Deathloop we've seen before in a couple of state of plays and, and gotten some very groovy trailers. Uh, I think the last state of play in March or February, whenever that was, we got a sort of music video of Deathloop, but this is probably the biggest chunk of gameplay we've seen of it yet. Uh, Brian, I wanted to start with you. What did what did you think of this latest look, and what are your overall sort of feelings on Deathloop as we approach its launch? Um, uh, the game looks gorgeous. I feel like it looks a little bit better every time we see it. Uh, it's aesthetically like kind of uh, just incredibly fun to look at, just because it it really takes advantage of sort of a lot of stylistic decisions. It's got some great sort of energy to it, uh, some some great colors and stuff like that. But the gameplay itself looks fun. The weapons are weird and crazy and kind of vintage sci-fi, which I dig. Um, I don't know if I needed to see eight more minutes of a game that like I'm pretty excited for already, but also you know uh this this is this is part of their their suite this year so obviously they do want to give us some love yeah it, it definitely makes sense that we're seeing sort of a marquee one for this and i assume that means we probably won't get one of those sort of like one-off uh state of plays that we've gotten for a few games like horizon and and even stuff like destruction all-stars that we've seen before but uh it, it definitely needed sort of a marquee look at what actual gameplay is because i think we've seen a lot of very as you were saying like really good looking stylized trailers but showing people what the actual gameplay looks like a bit more uh mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense for a show like this uh matt i wanted to jump to you i actually don't know your history or you know whether you've played past arcane stuff but what did you think of this look and what are you what are your sort of thoughts on Deathloop in general 
Yeah, I'm really excited for Deathloop, but I I mean you're kind of right. Like I've dabbled with Dishonored and I've dabbled with um uh, with Prey, but I never they never really kind of like gripped me in the same way that I'm really looking forward to Deathloop. Uh I like the the powers are cool. Like Dishonored has really cool powers and the story is really great. I was actually just kind of bad at Dishonored and I was way <laughs> worse at Prey, but I don't know. So maybe I might be bad at uh, at this one too, but we'll see. Yeah, I I had the same problem. I've tried Dishonored 1, I want to say three times, and I'm just very bad at it. Mm. I just feel like I'm awful, but maybe Deathloop will solve that problem because the whole point of it is if you're bad and you die, well, you just start again. Right, that Um, like whole Dark Souls loop. Exactly. Mm Uh, live, die, repeat. My mm-hmm. my favorite Tom Cruise film. Uh, Max, I wanted to jump to you because we've talked about this definitely a bit before on the show, and we were kind of talking during the state of play, um, and and we've sort of hinted at it in this discussion. But like, I'm just I just want to play this game at this point. I feel yeah, like no, we've totally. seen a lot of it. But but it's, what did you think of this latest look? It's it's been an interesting game because I feel like when they first revealed it, they had the cinematic trailer that kind of alluded to what the gameplay the 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 eponymous loop is actually about, but hmm. didn't really show it in action. And then we saw like a you know previous demo that sort of did. I feel like this is the first time where what you're going to be, what you're doing is actually really clicked with me. And the thing that made my sort of ears perk up is how much it resembles Hitman. Yeah. Um, like being able to sort of, you know where this person's going to be at this time. How are you going to off that person at mm-hmm. that time at that location? And the idea that there's some freedom in how you approach that is cool. Uh, it's definitely got some, you know, some sort of roguelike, souls-like uh, elements to it there where I, I like the idea that they said that what is it reprise is a is a power up it's basically a second life yeah let's you go back to your i mean it's it's very soulsy to be like oh there's your there's your glowing corpse go pick up your crap you know go get go get <laughs> shadows it die twice <laughs> yeah right um yeah it's interesting because the thing that i always loved about that i, I fell madly in love with um hitman 3 earlier this year i was i was late to the party on that whole assassination trilogy but like that was so much fun for me and what really i love about that game is almost how sort of royalty free and generic that world is like it's very it's all very familiar and this is kind of the exact opposite where it's like you've got wacky superpowers and everything is this completely uh distinct and uh you know unique aesthetic and it's i'm i'm curious to see if it does click i'm kind of like you guys where i've tried to get into uh you know arcane's games a bunch but uh you know it's 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 never really grabbed me the, the funny thing is one of the you know core mechanics of dishonored is the whole like what is it like the chaos system where the more you yeah. die, the harder it gets or the worse, you know, it treats you in this case, it's almost like hinging on that. Like it's, it's a, it's, you're supposed to die here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, the goal at the end of the day, I believe of the game is essentially there's a number of people you are uh, set out to assassinate on this Island. And the whole point is to be able to do it all in one single loop, uh, which obviously you're not going to be able to do in loop one. I, though I'm sure I say that there's going to be a speed runner who does it like day one when the game comes out. Um, but yeah, I, it's a really interesting thing because all like I've heard such acclaim constantly for Arcane, and I feel like this is the first one. And maybe it's just after a year of like Hades and Returnal, like it's been a very good time for roguelikes. Uh, I feel like finally a game like this might click with me with the fact that it lets you kind of just jump through. And even if you die, it's okay. You'll get new weapons. You'll get you'll learn more about the area. Um, it, it excites me in that way. But it's it's an interesting one. I, I just I think at this point, like I just want to play it. Well, buckle up, Jonathan, because I mean, I think there's uh, some bright futures for PlayStation and Arcane in the years ahead. I think so, too. Surely their next game, whatever it may be, it's not like it's announced or anything, won't be exclusive to another console. Uh, No, it's a really interesting thing. And just sort of on that note, I did want to touch very briefly on, obviously it wasn't here, but another game when this was before, of course, uh, Bethesda was acquired by Xbox at the uh, June showcase last year for the PS5. Arcane announced Deathloop as a PS5 launch exclusive coming to PC as well. And Tango Gameworks announced Ghostwire Tokyo coming to PlayStation 5 and PC as well. We have really not seen Ghostwire in no. months, I want to say. That that mm. feels like a strange one too, where I think tentatively there was like a PlayStation trailer that dropped at like CES that then removed the dates of things, but that had like pegged it for an October release. We're in this sort of weird place of like, Bethesda is honoring these two games, but it's sort of like who who decides what gets promoted, who decides when these things take the spotlight. Like I'm glad this game was here at a state of play, but I don't I don't know how any of you feel. It's a weird case to be in where Yeah, who 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 gets to stay with dad on the weekends or whatever, <laughs> right? Like it's it does it does feel like there's 
you know, there's like a lot of questions in sort of where the uh, the chips fall on this kind of weird custody battle that happened with this massive uh, transaction between two video game companies. But I, I hope we see it again soon. Um, I mean, if it becomes a multi-platform game, so be it. I'm cool with that too. But uh, let's. I feel like that that's in the hands of lawyers right now, which are like <laughs> the least interesting people to talk about on a video game platform, unless they're Phoenix Wright. Uh, no, I'd actually love to get into a little legal jargon. Speaking of, <laughs> Lost Judgment there it is. was at There's the show. There's that segue. Um, I, really I'm skipping around a little bit, it's but really I, I do want to because you gave me the segue and I have to do it. Uh, Lost Judgment got a new trailer. This is a game that we've we've seen revealed before. Um, it's a sequel to Judgment. Uh, that I like that they're not just going Judgment 2 or Judgment Er. Uh, I, I like the sort of naming convention here. This is, of course, a. it started as a spinoff of the Yakuza franchise, but as Yakuza went turn-based with like a dragon most recently, and, and Matt, I believe you can speak to this a little bit more, uh, th they've sort of discussed how like a dragon, Yakuza in general will sort of take on this more, you know, mm. turn-based RPG sort of scenario and Judgment will let them still have their cake and eat it too by being a, you know, real-time action sort of franchise. Yeah, that was a, a really uh, crazy announcement that that we were able to work with. Like, so we spoke with Negoshi-san when they announced Judgment Two or Lost Judgment in the first, like, earlier this spring, uh, and we were like, uh, "Yeah, so is what's the two-pronged approach basically with between Judgment and the Yakuza series?" And they did confirm to us that Yakuza, starting with Like a Dragon, is going to be turn-based going forward. And now, if you want that classic you know rgg studio action brawler feeling you're gonna have to play judgment which is great because judgment's a great spin-off series and so i really uh max i want to throw to you because i i've only played a few hours of judgment obviously nowhere near as steeped into the yakuza franchise as you are but like yakuza or judgment when i first played it definitely felt more like a uh a take on like case of the week crime investigation stories it seemed to have the yakuza flair but i didn't get far enough into it's... it to know if it did lost judgment feels like it is it is the yakuza game that you know you would expect it's, like it all definitely of feels like games. a kind of uh separated at birth like you know parent trap switcheroo where you've got the uh long-running series about the the criminals in the street who beat people up and that becomes a turn-based game with lots of stats and menus and then the game about a lawyer who talks to people in courtrooms and looks for clues has become a real-time beat-em-up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, uh, the the main character is Yagami, who is a, uh, a former lawyer turned detective, basically, who uh, then will sort of kind of work with a, you know, with like a, a law office to sort of solve mysteries and stuff. But, you know, he, because he's not a lawyer, he could hit the street in a leather jacket and do skateboard tricks and beat the crap out of people. Um, it's, I'm excited about this. The first one was, was good. It definitely had this sort of feeling of like, them finding their footing like it felt not light on features but not quite as sort of jam-packed with them as some you know you can kind of see the jump between games in, in the yakuza series but um they had like you know they had like a little bit of parkour they had like drone racing they had uh uh you know some some wall running stuff and in this case they're clearly really leaning into it and i'm uh, i'm stoked to see kind of what they do with it also apparently you get a shiba inu which is which is cool and he can make him bite people into it. Yeah, I that was a, a wonderful scene. So it was just like the the, the jumps between different mini games. I assume are, are elements of it. As someone who doesn't know the franchise, uh, and obviously you do. And and Brian, I, I don't want to misspeak, but you you've been recently starting to pick up Yakuza as well a little bit, correct? Yeah, and I also played the first few hours of the first Judgment game. I, I really like how uh, more sort of vertical this one's going. Like there's there's climbing and wall running and a stamina meter and stuff like that i just love how fun these games uh, are at sort of like presenting quasi serious themes but also mixing them in with utter nonsense like shibas and you know bike racing and stuff like that that is one of my favorite things i've ever seen just like throwing a guy upside down into a wall kicking him and then punching him in the belly until he falls on his head that's great more games should have that so yeah, I'm totally into this. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to catch up on all of the Yakuza games before this comes out because this doesn't come out five years from now and those games take like 85 hours each, but I'll get there, I promise. <laughs> no, it, it does come out in September. It's a worldwide launch. And I, I do want to talk sort of about the the various release dates that we saw throughout this in a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to jump back in. I guess Max says, I know we have probably thrown this question to you a, a dozen times on the show, but especially with lost judgment for people who might want to jump in do you think it's fine to just play judgment and then go to lost judgment or should people be going back to because right i now can't well? speak to it i mean you can definitely get into judgment right off the right off the bat there's actually a surprising lack of overlap between that and yakuza like it's in the same universe but it's not like uh, a familiar character will, will show up um like a dragon 
uh, is basically a fresh start if you want to get into Yakuza. It's it's really good. I, I adored that game. Uh, however, if you aren't familiar with uh, with the Yakuza series, there is some stuff in there where you might not get the full the full effect of it. Um, but Judgment is you know it's definitely a newer series, and if you want like a cool beat 'em up that's kind of captures that same same appeal where you've got this like you know over serious main campaign and then com- completely wackadoo side missions and activities, uh, it's you know covers those bases and uh, now there's now there's two of them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping into the skateboarding, the boxing, and the the racing mm-hmm. and whatever else it oh, holds. One yes, key thing, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon was the first Yakuza game to be fully dubbed since the original PS2 release, whereas Judgment is dubbed or subbed in. Uh, I mean, this was the English language trailer, um, but the first one was was the, the first RGG game that they, I think, had you know English voice acting too, which is you know I know that's that can be subtitles can be a deal breaker for some people, but um, you know, that's yeah. an option. From what I remember also from the first few hours, I thought the, the English voice cast did a really solid job with it mm. uh, as well. But um, yeah, this is a, I'm, I'm excited to see this franchise continue. I really, really need to make the time to get into all of it. Uh, even though apparently some of the Yakuza games, I think you can just do like a sim in the middle of there and, and run. Uh, well, can't you run like businesses with Dude, I became games? a CEO. <laughs> I, I, I became like an executive of like a cracker company. And I wound Fair up enough. having a, a amusement park that was run by a chicken and a giant Roomba. So I don't even like finances, but that stuff <laughs> that gets you sucked in. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Well, uh, it, it sounds like fun micromanagement in the best way possible. Uh, and if you like to micromanage things, uh, one game that I loved that you micromanage your weight distribution is Death Stranding because you got to carry a lot of heavy packages across long distances. Uh, Death Stranding Director's Cut was revealed a few weeks back at uh, Keeley's opening night live showcase, I want to say. Um, and we got a, uh, a teaser trailer for it then that was sort of very Metal Gear Solid inspired. But this latest trailer... Uh, which also gave us a release date again for September. Uh, let us see a little bit more of what it's bringing that feels more like Death Stranding, but also not. Uh, the first thing I just got to point out is there's a racing game in there now. Uh, yeah, I think that yeah. was the first thing that caught us all completely off guard. This is completely so, this is completely on brand for Kojima. This is not this is not weird. This is exactly what we've seen with like the majority of sort of you know version 1.5s of Metal Gear games. He's been doing this since Metal Gear Solid 2, where he was like. The big shell needs more skateboards on it, and lo and behold, he did. And this seems like kind of more of the same in that in that sense. I'm I'm so glad he got to finish his vision without the studio oversight that was all over the original Death Stranding. You know, the <laughs> amount of times that Konami would kick in the door and be like, uh, "Wait, no, that was entirely no. his own doing." The other one. Um, yeah. So my question for this game is: Do you think a lot of this content is going to sort of naturally weave into the flow of the game? No. Like, do you think no. it'll be standalone side stuff? Not even I a think little the... bit. You go ahead, Matt. So you think it'll be... No, I think it's just going to be like you do a side quest and like, hey, by the way, I just happen to have a post-apocalyptic uh, racing track in my backyard. You should try it out. I, yeah, so, I... so, yeah, what, what, what I'm asking is like, will you be able to access it from the menu or is this going mm. to just appear sort of like during a playthrough? I think it would be something that appears during a playthrough, but like you'll have to probably seek it out a little bit more yeah. um mm -hmm. i think stuff that like the as the trailer is playing as we go for those who are watching on video uh, and not listening to audio later but the, there's a few new extra items that are also very amusing and essentially will help you with package delivery and traversal like a buddy bot or a cannon to throw things my assumption is those will be sort of like naturally peppered in the way that you unlocked other mm -hmm. uh traversal items and things like that i assume those will just kind of be you know, put in throughout like yeah, the, the rest of the stuff. But where was my race car and my robot when I kept falling down that wet hill? <laughs> like those were which a lot. one? There were many wet hills in that game. Um, but yeah, I but Matt, I wanted to throw to you because you, you've been playing it a little bit more recently. You you didn't play it at launch, but you've been playing uh, Death Stranding since then. In in a year that felt very Death Stranding like, um, what are are you like? Where were you in the game? And are you going to like pause your playthrough to jump into director's cut? Like where where are you with this yeah. new version of the game. Uh, I'm, I think I'm, a, I think I'm like 60 or 70% of the way through. And yeah, I did start uh, at the beginning of this sort of year in which we were all sort of stuck inside, which makes Death Stranding hit really different, right? Like you're going, you're going around this, this post-apocalyptic world. People are indoors. They're like, oh, you know, we can't, we can't leave our homes. Thank you, delivery man, for for giving us this connection to the outside world. And I was like, yeah, I feel that. That's a big, that's a big mood. Um, but no, I'm having a great time with that game. And um, I, I don't know, I'm at a point where I feel like I'm close to the ending. And so I feel like I kind of need to finish before playing the director's. It's, I'm in that bad part. I, if I start, if I was like <laughs> earlier, I definitely would have probably like wait, uh, wait until September, but I'm so close to the end. And I, oh my God. I, kind of it's a tough game it's kind of a tough game to like restart you know it's yeah i, I was just gonna say that it's kind of feels like uh, a game that makes you go uphill both ways in the snow in some mm -hmm. case literally and yeah. <laughs> i you know i finished this game i ground through it stupidly quickly before it you know was officially released and wanted to have all my thoughts on it and i i i feel like it's the um it's the classic scene in matilda where they make the boy eat the entire cake in one sitting uh and i don't like I, I am interested in checking this out, but I really hope there's some kind of save transfer or like, you know, go like you played the first game. We see mm -hmm. how many hours you sunk into it. You get the car, the cargo catapult from day one, or like, mm -hmm. here you are, here's all your crap unlocked. Like it would right. be nice if it had sort of a new game plus approach um, because then I'd be down to, you know, poke around, but you know, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a weird game. It definitely, it, when it came out, Matt, it was kind of stupid. And then <laughs> six months later, it was really relevant and, and, serious so right like mm -hmm. for months before it came out uh kojima was like you know i i was i'm really looking at the state of the world right now and and this is just sort of like my 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 thesis on on the current you know modern day civilization and he was just six months early 
you know? Yeah. He was just, he was just <laughs> yeah. off by a couple months. You know, I really should replay this because since this game came out and I first played it, uh, COVID happened and then I had a kid. So it might hit real different. <laughs> it might mm-hmm. be. Yeah. It's, uh, I would say, cause Max, I know you were, you were, uh, intimating it a little bit but like you you crammed this game in in like a very short span and this mm-hmm. is a game that i think like works best as a slow burn like it is absolutely not a game for everyone and I, I completely understand the faults and criticisms people have with it but like my my most entertaining moments of it were like i would go back to it a couple nights per week and just you know build a couple pieces of road and maybe go to like one outpost and then just drive along for a little bit. And like people would give me a thumbs up and I'd give them a thumbs up. Like there's, there's something nice and and methodical to that, but Mm -hmm. as a, like a thing to mainline and rush, Mm -hmm. this is not a game. It's also like, it's a very weird sort of social game in that sense. It's like, you know, that kind of passive social interaction, but at the same time you're in this isolated landscape and Mm -hmm. playing it like pre-launch there was, you know, people were building ramps and doing that stuff and it was all really cool, but it, it didn't have the level of involvement that I think, it would have if I'd waited three weeks or whatever, you know, people. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're going to have to build that entire race course or not. I hope, I hope not. That might take <laughs> no. a while. Yeah. Um, I just want, go ahead. No, it's just, I, I think what, what's really cool is seeing, like, I, I feel like Kojima is a brilliant dude and he's got a bunch of weird little ideas and weird big ideas. And this is, I feel like we're going to get a bunch of his like sort of napkin sketches here, which is super cool mm-hmm. stuff that maybe wouldn't have worked as an entire game, weird concepts and designs and characters and settings and themes and stuff like that. Uh, and and just you know weird vehicles and robots and stuff. I, I love I love like when he can commit to something like that as a full game, but also seeing a bunch of those small things is great. I mean, even if you didn't like this game, you can't not be happy for the people who did getting a whole bunch of weird new uh, toys to play with in the sandbox. You know. Yeah. I've got, Dir- I've director's got two thoughts. Cut. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. No, you go ahead, Matt. Uh, yeah, two thoughts. One serious, one less serious. But the but the <laughs> first thing is, so I'm playing Death Stranding on PC, right? And I think. A lot of the improvements over the PS4 version that you can get in PS5, way faster loading times, uh, is going to help a ton for people. Uh, the mm-hmm. PS4 load times were a nightmare, and uh, my computer can load up uh, after a death in like a couple seconds, and I think PS5 players are going to get the same thing, and it just makes a world of difference. Um, and the second thought is, uh, you know that joke about Bloodborne cart? Yeah. Yeah. I like how Kojima just, I'm going to make Death Stranding cart. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, if you just need a new car game, just put it in an existing game. Right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And and Brian, you were joking a little bit about it earlier, but sort of the like the director's cut naming of it. I feel like between this and Ghost of Tsushima, director's cut is just a thing Sony is doing and not necessarily like a per, like mm. true to the game game because as like as you're saying the whole point of death stranding was letting kojima have his vision mm-hmm. un unencumbered by the corporate oversight that you know it was I wrapped mean, up in so much of the konami drama it's brilliant branding if you think about sony uh what they're trying to do with sort of presenting games as these massive cinematic experiences. And it's brilliant branding. If you don't think about it for more than three seconds at all, because like the directors who made these games made, they're continuing to make these games. And like this, this isn't really like a a Snyder cut situation Mm -hmm. where like they, they lock the studio and they're like, don't stop coming in here and (laughs) photoshopping (laughs) all the, you know, the weird alien men into the movie. And Um, it's also, it's a mix of refinements and new additions. Like the, the combat will be improved here, but there will also be just new big battles in the same way that like ghost will have a new Island to go visit, but is also making updates like the, um, the vocal track. They, they will have the, the facial dubbing or the, the facial animation matched to the Japanese uh, voice track. So it's like, it's a mixture of things that I think makes sense. Director's Cut is just a, as you said, it makes sense for what PlayStation wants you to think of their studios as, but it's, you know, it's, there are I mean, especially with the, the shift to, to PlayStation Studios, it very much kind of fits that, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, naming convention. But uh, it's it's also, it's it's so much less tacky than like Game of the Year edition, which is what right. we used to get for this kind of right. thing. It was the, yeah. you know, this makes it feel like, oh, this is how, you know, this is the final version as opposed to like, this is the version that's uh, it's got the quotes on the box and it's uh you, you know twenty bucks cheaper maybe mm-hmm. no not really yeah it's got the we drew all over there. Batman yeah exactly <laughs> and it's got a it's got a garish like greatest hits collection yep, banner yep. ribbon somewhere in the box art yeah, yeah. you want a case that doesn't match the rest of your other games here you go <laughs> I didn't see any monkeys you can pet in uh, Death Stranding director's cut so Ghost of Tsushima still has the edge right now but I think that, uh, yeah. yeah we should we should do a comparison because they did they did not add race cars to Ghost of Tsushima mm, so there's very true. you know pick your they pick might your have poison. horse racing we don't know that 
you take the good, you take the bad. <laughs> uh, I was going to keep going, but I don't need to reference a 50-year-old sitcom. Uh, anyway, moving on from there, there there were a few other uh, games that I, I think are worth bringing up, including let's talk about what started the show, because uh, I think it speaks also to what wasn't there in an interesting way. Uh, Moss 2 was uh, was announced. Uh, this is, of course, a sequel to a, a pretty beloved, probably one of the more beloved PS VR titles. It's available on other VR uh, headsets as well but moss 2 was brand new announced at the beginning of the state of play just for playstation vr so uh, of course before the show they had said psvr 2 next gen psvr whatever they want to call it wouldn't be here so this means that this is probably a little bit closer on the horizon than vr 2 like i do want to talk about what we think it means for for the next headset but um moss i thought was a really really charming uh, sort of first round of what PSVR could do. I hope this sequel takes into account like a lot of the advancements some other uh, PSVR games and VR in general ha- have made. But Brian, what do you think about this announcement? Um, I love the first Moss. It's uh, one of my favorite VR games ever. It's adorable. I think it's, it does really smart things that you can't really pick up on, on this trailer where a lot of VR games have you sort of play in first person and interact with stuff. But there's also the ones that sort of let you look down on something as if it was happening in you know a little stream in your backyard or on a table in front of you. Um, and th- this thing, this game does a really good job of playing with scale. Again, when you're just looking at here, you wouldn't really know. But when you're actually experiencing this in VR, looking down at it uh, as as like small miniatures running around on the table. I love that so much. Um, I do think that the timing on this is very odd and that has nothing to do with the studio making this game. It looks awesome. But for Sony themselves to sort of be in that weird window between PSVR, which is not really a thing that anyone is is seeking out anymore, uh, that I don't really, I can't even imagine how many of those they're selling every single month right now. It's probably abysmally low. Um, especially because it's, it doesn't really like nothing about the PS five to the average consumer is screaming. You need a PSVR for this right now, you know? Um, and then we saw in that, like that weird PlayStation blog thing where they're like, Hey, we have the, uh, you know, PSVR two is in the works, but we can't show it to you yet. And so I, I think it's interesting to like, not have an E3 press conference, have a state of play a month later, kick it off with a VR game that works, you know, with your hardware from five years ago or whatever that uses controllers from 12 years ago and then not have anything to say about your new VR system yet. I just like, I I'm glad for the, on behalf of the developers that they gave Moss to a showcase. That's, that's awesome. I it's, it felt weird and, and, uh, and off to kick off the show with a game that, you know, is uh, ostensibly on like very last gen hardware at this point. Especially unless I'm not forsa- uh, mistaken, not forsaken. Forsaken. <laughs> uh, unless I'm forsaken uh, by the PlayStation gods among us. Uh, no, this was the only VR game, as far as I can yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. At least the only like VR only game. And yeah, it's a very weird time for PSVR because it's definitely, as you were saying, like it's five year old VR tech using controllers from a decade ago. Um, we know there's something new on the horizon. I, I just. Like, I really hope the game is great, but I also can't help but think, but what if they were just allowed to take advantage of VR2? And that's not to say, like, they probably can do a remastered version for VR2. I'm sure, like, Mm -hmm. it'll look great and play great. Uh, As you said, I'm really happy for these devs because it's a great game, and I can't wait to have more of this world. But it's it's a very strange moment for PSVR. So I I have a theory there. Yes. Uh, The first Moss was a timed exclusive for PSVR, um, then came to, like, you know, Quest and Vive and all that other stuff. If the PlayStation VR 2 is further away than, you know, maybe we think it is, if it's if it's still a year and a half off or whatever, uh, and this is also a timed exclusive for that, maybe the devs just want to get it out there. You know, maybe they just want to get it out for PS4, and then, when, you know, eventually it can come to PS, uh, you know, PSVR 2 or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. You know, if they've got a, a timed exclusive exclusivity window, like I can assume that they, maybe they don't want to wait around for, uh, you know, for the second iteration of PSVR to show up. And right. I mean, I'm completely I'm just I'm, you know, I'm spitballing here. But no, I, I mean, could, could you imagine them? Could you imagine Sony launching new hardware right now? Like <laughs> when they people can't, can't buy their other hardware, <laughs> you can't buy their other hardware. Like the install base for PSVR was, it, it was like Wii U numbers, mm-hmm. um, which at the time made it one of the best selling uh, VR headsets right. on the market. But I can't even imagine them being like, uh, you know, let's take the amount of PS5 owners right now out there and then ask them to buy into like another you know, 300, 400, $500 ecosystem on top. This of is it. a That's really crazy. weird thing to kick off this state of play with, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I, like, I, yeah. 
I, I was just gonna say, like speaking to Brian's point, like super excited, like in, in a vacuum for this game. Very mm-hmm. happy for the devs to be able to have it out there. But yeah, it is a it is a strange marker of what's here, especially because so much of this uh, this state of play was focused kind of on the next three months. Like this was really about July, August, September mm. for the most part. Um, and so to have this one in here, uh, just briefly, I want to point to uh, Ryan McCaffrey actually spoke to the the developers of this. He's a huge Moss fan, probably the biggest Moss fan uh, on the IGN team. So he spoke to the devs for this announcement. And uh, they said, one, that this the, the biggest piece of feedback was just that people wanted more of the game. So this one is definitely going to be a larger experience. But uh, he asked about PSVR 2 and they said, we don't have anything to talk about regarding next-gen plans at this moment. Uh, but they haven't announced any sort of release date as well. So it's it's a strange moment for this game and for PSVR. But yeah, I, you know, they showed off the VR, uh, next-gen VR controllers like a couple months back, which seemed shockingly early. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like with console shortage, I don't know how you all feel, but like with console shortage, uh, chip shortage, all these sorts of things. Like I thought maybe PSVR 2 could come in 2022. I'm now thinking probably not till 2023, maybe. Right. Like maybe late 2022. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like the right time. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, I think the only sense of urgency I would feel if I was Sony is that the PlayStation VR is no longer the most accessible VR headset on the yeah. market. Right? Nah, they've got major competition from the, mm-hmm. from the Quest. And like every year there's no uh, consumer grade competitor alternative facebook is just Mm -hmm. going to keep consolidating that sort of casual vr market i know i know exactly how to solve this i can solve this right here uh sony bundle psvr2 with ps5 and sell it for a dollar less than the average scalper sells the average ps5 for (laughs) and you will still sell ps5 units you will have a one-to-one conversion rate of anybody buying the psvr Stella standalone option too for people like me that already have a PS5. PS5. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do it because they're selling every single PS5 they make. And so if they glue it to something else, by that logic, it's got to sell too. Hey, it works <laughs> for the Kinect and the Xbox One. What could go wrong? You know? <laughs> Exciting days ahead, regardless. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a uh, congrats to the Moss team on Polyarch for announcing mm-hmm. Moss 2. Very excited to play it. But yes, a very interesting time to be a PSVR owner. One, one uh, thing. I, yes, go I, ahead. I think it would be really cool if they use this game to show off PSVR 2 whenever it happens because yes. we know what it looks like in PSVR. You know, even yep. even if you haven't played it in VR, I feel like it's a very it's got very clean aesthetics and you kind of get a sense of like what graphically it's capable of and if, you know, the the next PSVR iteration is uh capable of doing way more, which obviously it, it will be, that I think it's a very it's a very easy to do sort of side by side graphics comparison of like here's what it looked like on the last one here's what it looks like on the new one and you can see the mouse's hair as opposed to it just being sort of a you know round white shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just to quickly double back, also breaking news: the PlayStation blog post for Death Stranding has finally gone up as we're talking. And uh, speaking to the save transfer thing, they do confirm that saves will be transferable. Um, <sighs> Looks so... like I'm playing the director's cut. Yep, that is that like that makes me so much more excited to play that thing because I was like I want to dip in but I don't know if I'm going to play 70 80 more hours of mm-hmm. it but yeah that's a that's a very good sign. Um they also mentioned it will include haptic feedback, um bespoke adaptive trigger resistance, uh 3D audio, uh ultra fast SSD loading, uh and then we'll have two per, uh, picture modes, performance mode with upscaled 4K and up to 60 frames per second or fidelity mode in native 4K. Uh, both with ultra wide and HDR support. I feel oh, like wow. dual sense is going to be awesome in this game over different types of oh. types of terrain, and I feel like 3D audio for the baby screaming is going to be the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, oh yeah, God, yeah. Can you imagine the the feeling in your hands when you're trying to like wade through that goop? You know the goop. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I I mean, Kojima made a Game Boy Advance game or you know published one where you had to go outside to charge up your vampire killing sunlight gun. Uh, <laughs> so like I feel like giving him a, a thing with haptic feedback is going to yield some interesting results, and I. I know, I know what it feels like to, to calm a real baby. I don't know mm. what it feels like to calm a BB when I'm being <laughs> attacked by Muddy Buddies from the Death Stranding. You're going to get um, 3D audio if your kid starts crying. <laughs> this, is, this is like a really bad game to play if like my kid's asleep because I'm going to have the monitor next audio. to me. But then the baby's going to be screaming out of the controller and it's going to be the same size speaker. It's not... It's oh, God. Not, not That's going to be one. like yeah. how they shot The Matrix, but with just babies crying in a circle around. <laughs> like gunshots um, on the 4th of July. What could go wrong? Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, blowing right past that. Uh, just to speak a little bit more to it, they, they do mention in the blog post... 
basically addressing what we just spoke about. It's almost like they're listening. Uh, the new content isn't simply bolted on either. It's been carefully woven into the core game experience and will be made available through discovery as you play. Uh, most of the content is fairly easy to find, though there are some bits and pieces that will take some time to find and unlock. Uh, also, interestingly, all of the content from the PC version that was the Half-Life and Cyberpunk uh, DLC mm -hmm. content they added will be available in the Director's Cut, which is funny. Um, Wait, so... Yes. So, so your saves carry over, but to experience all the new content, you will find it naturally through playing the game. So my, my guess is that basically like if you are starting it up for the first time, it will just be woven in. But if mm -hmm. you're, my, my guess is it's like, if you are jumping into a late game save, you'll get, you know, yeah. calls to you that are like, oh, by the way, have you checked over here? Something changed in that area recently. Like probably. Yeah, I like that, the idea of like, there's like a race into... car driver calls you and then like a speed ramp guy calls you. And they're... <laughs> I mean, that's how they wove into Cyberpunk DLC, right? Is that you got an email that's like, hey, remember this old area? Fast travel there. There's something weird and check it out yeah. and you get a thing and. I think it's gonna gonna be all stuff like that. Uh, just to quickly bring in uh, some comments from the community, Foam Knuckles said, "I'm going to give the director's cut a try. It just looks really interesting and out of my comfort zone, which you need sometimes, so you don't get too stuck in the same cycle of games." And yeah, uh, there are a few things to compare Death Stranding to. So definitely, if you're looking for something a little bit outside of the uh, cycle of games, though maybe not the cycle of life, Death Stranding might be. It's like you. a cross between Paperboy and Yoshi's Island. That's basically <laughs> what the game is. There you go. You got it. Uh, you got it in one. Uh, moving on from there, a few things to just quickly mention. Uh, Sifu got another trailer. This was uh, premiered at a state of play uh, earlier this year as well. Really cool looking beat em up uh, action game from the makers of, oh God, I just blanked on Absolver. the game. Absolver. Thank you, Absolver. Yeah. I, uh, thank you for that. Uh, really cool looking game. Uh, as we all sort of joked about during the show, and I'll, turn, I'll throw to you, uh, one of the most interesting delays I've seen ever in a trailer. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the whole sort of like gameplay trailer thing shows a, a lot of different like sort of numbers that are uh, with a motion graphic moving around. And then at the end of the trailer through to the release date, which we all thought was 2021, and then changed to 2022, which totally sucks. Like they, they made like a <laughs> custom animation for a game delay, which I, I guess is funny, like is in a, you know, in retrospect, but in the moment I was like, wait, that don't, don't do that. <laughs> like... That like I I I really wanted to play this game this year. This is like one of my most anticipated PlayStation games this year, and it's not this year anymore. And they did they did that through a clever animation, which I felt a little cruel. <laughs> I, it was just it was really funny because it, it it's mirroring as you may have seen in the trailer. It's mirroring sort of the the aging up because your your character uh, every time you die, I believe your your new character is a little bit older. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so it, it was mirroring the like age effect for their transitions that they were using. But yeah, when it changed, I thought it was going to give us the date. And so it right. was just really funny to be like, oh, they're changing from the year to the date. And no, it's just a, a year later. The, the mm -hmm. release date has aged as much as your character ages. They should have been like you. And then they put your age and then it just gets a year older. <laughs> <laughs> um, nonetheless, still looks really cool. As Brian was saying, like, can't wait to play this one. Um, I believe during the premiere, uh, Matt, you were saying during the show, but you spoke to the developer. Uh, earlier this year when the, the game was revealed uh, to dig a little bit further so people can go check that out from a few months back if they want to hear more. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool it's a cool game. The developers uh, are very nice people and, and they seem really, you know, a, a lot of them at the studio uh, learned Shaolin Kung Fu. I think one of their founders uh, is a big practitioner and because he's a big practitioner, a lot of the other devs like started joining him and so now I guess like half the team just practice kung fu in france because of uh, of this game and and you know i mean good for them so i'm really excited for it bringing people together uh yeah, right? moving on from there a couple of the other cool indies that were shown off uh jet the far shore which i believe debuted at that uh june showcase last year for the ps5 as well uh this is the latest game from the sword and sorcery devs uh we got a bit of a a lengthier uh, deep dive into this one, Max. What did, what did you think of this one? Because you were, I think, you were comparing it to a couple games that that seemed to track with me while we were talking, sort of like flower-ish. Uh, what was I saying? I don't know if. Oh, did you say Matt? I said Max, but Max or Matt? Any of? I the don't ends. think that was. That might have been Matt who said that. I mean, no, Fair it's enough. it's it looks you know like a very kind of chill, spacey kind of you know indie game. Uh, I, I'm kind of getting uh, Tacoma vibes from the crew. You know, like mm -hmm. the the you've got this this strange group of characters that I guess you're going to get to know, and then you know the bulk of the game seems to be flying around in this little hopping jet spaceship. But then there's there were also you know first person shots of climbing ladders, and then you you know shots of the crew hanging out eating I think curry, and it's a 
yeah it looks it looks definitely like one of those kind of you know uh for, for if we want to be blunt about it, it looks kind of like Death Stranding if you pulled the camera back really far and it made it a lot faster, which seems like a nice kind of laid back experience. But yeah, look, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this game looks like. And uh, Sword and Sorcery is definitely not a conventional game in any sense. So I, it's, you know, this this looks like it could be really interesting. I got real, um, you remember the opening shots of Prometheus where that big gray mm. man was standing over mm. the waterfall? I got like, that was the only thing that I was thinking of when I kept watching this trailer. I see that. What if what if you made a whole game out of those those five minutes of like beautiful nature shots? Yeah, just also, that five yeah. minutes of really interesting Prometheus mystery, but then the rest <laughs> of the movie happened. Yeah, we won't talk about that part yeah, though. We'll uh, no, yeah, I I think this one looks really cool. It, it, the the pedigree of the studio is a, a really awesome one, and yeah, I'm just curious to to know like this showed a lot more gameplay than I think we've seen before. But I'm just really interested to be like, what does an hour of playing this game look like? Because you're right, it bounces between different perspectives, uh, different things you're doing in the ship, out of the ship. I just kind want to know what we're going to be doing you know for a chunk of it but i'm I'm definitely excited to see more of this one uh a few of the other games just to mention that also popped up during the show uh arcade again was announced in early access today this is from the ilphonic devs who if you don't know made predator hunting grounds uh this is their latest game free of an ip it's it's not related to any sort of uh existing established brand as they made clear in the trailer uh it's available in early access right now uh matt i do believe you, you had brought this up before it happened and then when it happened uh it, some splatoon vibes definitely in there a little bit uh 100 percent. yeah i mean you know i mean it's a multiplayer pvp ish uh with colorful goo colorful goo right the the connecting mm -hmm. thread that's a way to go uh, yeah. between splatoon this game and death stranding <laughs> there you go yeah it uh it looks cool i'll definitely give it a try it's nice that it's early access and i believe we can just jump in today mm -hmm. on ps5 so if you're a ps5 player you might already be playing that as you're listening to us i uh, just very briefly want to mention fist aka forged in shadow torch is coming on september 7th that was the 2d bunny game that looks pretty cool as well uh we got a post-launch planned look at tribes of midgard which comes out a little bit later this month i believe the last week of the month uh we got word of hunter's arena which is a 30-player battle royale coming to PS4 and PS5 in August, uh, August 3rd, I believe that one drops, uh, and then a few other uh, updates from various other games. Uh, but I sort of wanted to talk just about overall impressions before we wrap up, uh, because uh, we, we were talking a little bit during the show, and Brian, I guess I'll start with you. Uh, you know, PlayStation wasn't at E3 this year. This is their first post-E3 event, uh, sort of after everyone else has gone. Uh, we haven't heard from a I, we saw the Horizon Forbidden West, forgive me, state of play right before E3, but before that, it was the state of play in you know March or February. What what did you think of this as a like a post E3 showing for them? Do do you feel like we're just not going to get big shows from them anymore? Because this felt sort of like a, a brief check in, not like a here's everything PlayStation. Yeah, I think you totally just nailed it. Uh, contextually, like that makes a major difference here is that this is still sort of within the, you know, E3 was three or four weeks ago. So we're, we're still sort of basking in that a little bit, right? There was a ton of announcements there that people are still really excited about. People are looking at IGN, watching the trailers over and over every single day. And so this feels like not only did they miss that party, but they kind of showed up a month late with, you know, just you know, a couple of a couple of beers and some snacks, which is good. You know, that's fun. We can hang out, but like this, this doesn't really feel like they were part of the big conversation this year. Um, and in terms of the pacing on this thing, I thought it was interesting and it had some good ideas. Uh, I'm I'm a little bummed that it didn't have like a one more surprise type thing. Um, but on the flip side, ending with Death Loop means that if you didn't like it, you could have stopped watching, assuming. You also didn't think there'd be like a post-credit stinger like everything has now, <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I mean, it it's it it didn't really feel like a big hyped event. It had some cool stuff in it that I'm excited to play. Um, it was nice to hear from them, so I won't I won't complain. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm really happy at the very least that they set expectations for these. They really seem to have been burned by the first couple state of plays, and I think putting in like. You know, we're not doing God of War Horizon PSVR 2 at this. It, it helps kind of put your expectations in check that this is not the future of PlayStation. This is, you know, the next couple of weeks of PlayStation. Uh, Max, obviously, we've been covering a lot of, you know, these PlayStation showcases the last few years since they adopted the state of play model. What did you, what did you think of the show overall? And what did you feel like 
was this the right first post E3 move for them? I mean, what do you if we're going with the, the social gathering comparison, I feel like this is less showing up to a party late with a few beers and snacks. This feels more like showing up. Uh, you skip the wedding. You're showing up <laughs> midway through the reception and you're horribly underdressed. Like this is, this is obviously a bunch of really cool games. And I think it is good that Sony definitely like, uh, you know, told us to sort of keep our expectations in check, but it's, it also just makes me wonder when are they going to show the big stuff? Like they put out a new console last year and then they skipped E3. Like what, mm-hmm. when are we going to see some big, exciting stuff? I, I, I mean, we've got, we got that big, you know, the, what is it? The future of the future of gaming or whatever with the, the big PS5 reveal that happened last summer, uh, which wasn't a state of play that was treated like its own kind of standalone event. So I don't know if we're going to get another one of those that's treated as a much more, you know, spectacular sort of tentpole event. Um, but you know, this, this just felt, this was, I mean, it was, it was, it was underwhelming. Like I'll I'll say it, it was, there, there was some cool games in there, but as like a, as a, just an overall reveal of a, of new games in the middle of the summer when I, I assume that Sony was just sort of sitting on, on something and they, I mean, I hope they are (laughs) because they put out a new system last year, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was, this was, this was, this was whatever there was, there was some cool stuff, but I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not super excited about it. <laughs> uh, Matt, what about you before we wrap up? What'd you think of the show overall? Yeah. I mean, I'm with Max. Uh, like we know there are cool things coming down the pipeline for PlayStation. Like we know uh, from last year's event that Final Fantasy 16 is heavily tied together with the PlayStation ecosystem. So I'm not worried about, about the future, but it does seem like there is something strange. Like you kind of, we kind of talked about it briefly but like they announced playstation vr2 but as a blog they sort of showed the controller a couple weeks later and then they did the state of play thing and they did a separate forbidden west thing it it feels fractured and it and it's not sort of the trend that we're seeing right like nintendo directs uh and other third-party publishers and xbox are all doing this one big show for their you know next couple of steps but playstation sort of just throwing random bits and bobs across a couple months and it doesn't feel great to be honest i don't know if i don't if it's an intentional strategy i don't think it's working out for them to if i'm gonna be honest it's it's definitely a weird cadence because i think like had you put this together with the horizon forbidden Mm -hmm. west state of play you would have had an hour show that would have been anchored around a really cool thing and i I think we'd be talking about it in a different way um especially if it like opened with death loop closed with horizon you have this really big sort of moment it it is a really strange thing and i i don't know what the cadence is going to be going forward it's it's a weird one. I, mm-hmm. As I said, this covered the next few months, but we didn't see stuff like Kena, Bridge of Spirits, which is you know coming in August and supposed to be really big. Why wasn't the Ghost of Tsushima announcement here instead of mm-hmm. at you know right. uh, a random blog post? I, I feel like there could have been more to it. We ha- we didn't see stuff like Little uh, Little Devil Inside, which was at the showcase last year that a lot of people were hoping would be out by now. Uh, I think there was a leaked trailer that said July or so that people were looking for that. It's been a strange time for PlayStation. We're de- we're definitely looking at uh, a lot of exciting things ahead, but sort of a a very immediate roadmap, not a, a lengthy one. So we'll we'll have to continue following these as they happen. I'm sure we'll have more state of plays to come. Uh, Brian, Max, Matt, thank you all so much for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, as always, you can find us. You can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Max is at Max Scoville, and Matt is at Law of TD. Yeah, correct. Awesome. Yeah. I haven't had to do it on the show before, so I just wanted uh, to be true. sure. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but anyway, thank you all so much for joining us. And thank you for everyone out there who watched, who tuned in live, or if you're watching the VOD of this later or listening in audio. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show as always. Uh, we love doing this and we love to get together and talk about PlayStation events, no matter the size or scale. Uh, but that's about going to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. And as always, beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.